welcome to First Order of Business, where we talk to experts about everything related to starting your own company. This season we talked a lot about the first ideation phase of building startups. But what happens after you find the idea? We asked product expert Christine Fraser on the podcast tonight. My name is Susanne Snell, a first-time entrepreneur currently in the ideation phase of starting her own business. I am in Utrecht, in the Netherlands, and with me is Rutger Braspenning, my partner and co-host on this show. Yes, that will be me. I'm Rutger Braspenning. I have my own company where I direct theater and give training. Let's listen to the show. Our guest this evening is Christine Fraser. Christine has worked in a whole range of successful startups. It's therefore not surprising that her experience is quite broad, from business model generation to product development, from strategy to operations. In the course of 15 years, you have developed and launched over 40 products, including medical devices, instrumentation and consumer electronics. This to me is truly impressive. What also struck me was how much your former colleagues admire your work. According to them, and I'm quoting them, you bring out the best in your team members, introduce structure and a framework for success, and see gaps ahead of time and come up with solutions. And that is just a really small selection. You currently work as a chief operating officer at Sensoterra, where you are creating products and building a team that delivers a great customer experience. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. What a great introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> Pleasure so, to be Yeah, really yeah. nice. So uh, we looked at your background and we saw you worked at a lot of different startups. Um, so we were wondering also like what drew you to startups in the first place? And for me, it was always, I always wanted to work on something that Kind of I believed in that was always really important and um, so just developing a product for the sake of developing a product was never something I was really that interested in um, and it was always much more about delivering to a need yeah and the product is the means to the ends it's yeah. not it's not the thing in itself um, and that way also you can be open to the type of solution you have and over my time, it started with an individual products, then it became product ranges. Now I use a lot of those same skills to build businesses. And some of the products are purely soft products as well now. So, so what you think of a product can be you know, an experience. It can be anything that, that somebody can use or, or, or get some reaction from. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so for me, it was all about really developing something that fitted a need that delivered to a need and also something i believed in so something that that you're then you know making the world a better place as a result not just filling it with plastic yeah (laughs) exactly that's a great ambition i mean to to also bring value into the world um so what do you like about working in startups that you would maybe miss in like a more mature organization well, it's funny because I've only ever really worked in startups. Oh. So I don't really know what a mature organization feels like. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and saying that, you know, um, 
when I worked, I lived and worked in Australia for a few years and there it was, and that's where I got in, first into product management. And that was a bit more of a mature organization. But even then they were very innovative. Um, so most of the companies I've worked in have been less than 10 people. Um, you know, some of them I came in at employee number six, another one mm -hmm. I came in at employee number 35 and we grew that to a hundred people. Yeah. You know, so it's always really when the company's not making any money and most of the time they're all loss making to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then you're reinvesting everything that you make along the way. So that's that's the environment I know how to work in. I have absolutely no idea how a very large company of of a thousand or five thousand or ten thousand people operate. Yeah, I've absolutely no idea how they operate. But I do love the small, very personal, um, where you, you start with everybody knowing everything and then you grow to a point where you put in processes so that it becomes the company's way of doing it rather than Christine or Tom or Suzanne's yeah. way of doing it. It becomes the company's way of doing it. And then you grow and then you feel real success in the marketplace and you get real traction on your products. Yeah. And some products yeah. I've made, you know, they've been sold in the millions. Others, you know, they never quite made it past uh, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. So, so different products, it depends on what success is. But, um, but yeah, so as far as kind of the environment and working, I've absolutely no idea how a big company works. <laughs> so <laughs> but, I but, can't answer that question. Yeah, but you love working at a startup because it's like this small personal environment and you can really bring it to a different level at that sense where... where yeah, it gets more mature, I would say. Yeah. And for me, it's about my happiness um, comes from creation. Yeah. And creation can be the product itself. That creation can be the, the business model. That creation can be the la often what I'm working in is brand new technology that doesn't exist before. So the creation can be the marketplace and the brand and how you explain that product. Um, but it's also the people and how you can start with an idea and then you bring in people and how you build that and how you create then a team. And that's also extremely rewarding. Um, and then everyone goes off on their life journeys as they do. <laughs> um, but it's that sense of creation, which I really love from this startup. Um, yeah. And, and I'm sure you can get that in a bigger organization, but that is also sometimes less creation and more just repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah. Um, so it's the, it's the continuous, very fast paced growth and creation that I love and startups give me that. All right. cool. cool. Yeah. And I, I could imagine that you can like see the result of your creation way more like direct uh, than maybe in a bigger organization. Um, well, that's really nice. And uh, we were talking already a little bit about uh, business models and uh, as like one of the first points of uh, creation, I would say, in a startup. Um, so how do you go about going from like an idea to creating a business model around it? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, so the, the business model can be... Um or different people d define it in different ways. But yeah. for me, it's, it's creating some sort of sustainability in your business. Yeah. So finding the niche that will pay for the service for the product 
it's finding the channel where you add the most value. So I always go back to the, um, the need. You know, it's really important that you're not just pushing a product out um, and hoping that people buy. I learned a long time ago, hope is not a strategy. <laughs> and actually what you need to do is really try and find your niche, find where, where your technology has a really nice fit with somebody's need. So like, um, I said, I bring some stuff, which I know it's a recording, but so I've got a pair of glasses here, which, um, which was a company that I joined and they had a really clever technology. You turned this dial mm-hmm. and it would change the prescription. Wow, aren't they wonderful? Wow. You put them on, they're ugly ads. Nobody's gonna buy that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's totally quirky and funky. You know, so two years later, it looks like this. And that looks like a normal pair of glasses. It's yeah. got 85 different tiny components in it, but boy, that looks great and it functions wonderfully. And you can demand a really high price for that rather than trying to sell something that's quite a disposable price. So it's finding the right value for that technology. It's also making deciding what type of product you want to be in the value that you bring has to be continuous throughout every touch point that you bring. So whether it's the website, whether it's the, the packaging through to the product field, through to the, everything about it has to be the same through to the customer service. And so when you're thinking about taking something to the market, you have to be thinking really holistically. So don't overinvest in one bit and make it brilliant and forget about the rest because that won't work. You have to understand who your market is, why they're interested in your product, and then deliver them an experience. And the product is a magical part within that, but the experience is much, much broader. I learned that in one of my first startups where the product was so innovative and amazing, but more than half of our customer feedback was about how good the packaging was or how fast the delivery was or how good the customer experience was and how fast we answered an email that's what people raved about you're like wow this is interesting you know and the product was just part of that so you have to be thinking um about who is that market why are they doing business with you and what experience do they need and make sure you're not developing a product or a business for yourself you're developing it for that customer and you give that customer the experience that they expect and then all your touch points, all your value creation and your pricing and your product all have to fit to that yeah. um, together. So to summarize, it's, it's not all about your product, you say. It's, it's about everything from top to bottom, not only uh, the pair of glasses, but how it looks and uh, uh, how you receive it as a customer, all that kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. Like, it's easy for engineers to, to get stuck on the technology part yeah. or the the physical product part or the soft product part. But actually, and there's a, there's a thousand case studies out there of you know, two products being in a race or two companies being in a race. And the best product doesn't win. Yeah. <laughs> what wins is the best company. It's yeah. the best team. It's the whole shebang. It's how you operate as a business. It's that whole experience that that customer has. And the product has to be amazing. And the products, the companies that truly transform industries have got amazing products but they've got more than the product they build the whole 
business around it. Yeah. Yeah. So you also developed some new business models. Um, so I was wondering, like, how how do you do that, and what what kind of does it mean to develop new business models? Like, um, yeah, to be disruptive in a way. A lot of the time, the technology which I'm working on has never existed before. So one of the first startups I worked in, it was just a really cool aerosolization technique. So it was at the time there was a lot of stuff about aerosol cans, CFC mm -hmm. gases. We had a real, really cool alternative to that. But instead of the particles all staying together in a in a kind of little cloud, they would disperse. Mm -hmm. um, so it used an ionization technique. Um, what the hell are you going to do with that? Like, like so, so that was okay. Well, we had a we had a way of aerosolizing it. We had a way of dispensing it. But what what can we do? So it was well. What are the different types of liquids? How could they be used? So we played with um, air freshening. We played with um, pest control, mosquito repellents, mm -hmm. and we played with. We got that into a big retailer in the in um, in the UK by positioning it as an air sterilization product. In the end, that company got bought by a very large Japanese um, chemical company because actually you could use 10% of the pesticide um, and have the same effect using this technique versus traditional, just spray over the top of the leaf because this would go under the leaf where all the bugs were. So that was an, a really interesting one where we pivoted so many times with that technology and in the end it was so disruptive an incumbent bought it because yeah. it could disrupt the market too much yeah bring that all the way through to something like sensiterra where we're doing a soil moisture sensing you know that's a, a completely new way of doing it using wireless technologies that completely change how quick all the costs and things to put it in the ground. So it's not just the cost of the product that's the benefit. It's actually thinking about the time saving, the maintenance saving. Um, it's about having data at, at your fingertips, wherever you are. That changes the game for people. So you can think again about the value that your technology brings. And then your business model can build around that value. So it's less about the technology and more about the benefit it's bringing to the customer. Yeah. or the the value the more holistic value so the, the cost savings and maintenance the cost savings and travel the cost savings in man hours well outweigh the cost of the product itself so thinking of the overall roi there and then as that kind of evolves as the market matures you then go away from just selling a product into selling a service and you go much more into sensing as a service and so even within a startup, your business model can start one way because that's the one that, that you can get fastest adoption in, in low volume and you can get fast learning in. Yeah. But two years later, you've evolved your business model two or three times to then be able to deliver at very large scale. So rather than selling twos and threes, you get to the stage where you can talk to a very large company and sell 5,000 at the same time because it's then built into a much bigger uh, service process oh. so I don't know did that answer your question um, yeah so so what you're saying is uh, that it's a very iterative process and like you 
usually maybe you don't come up like with a whole new business model from the start, but it kind of develops through pivoting and listening to what your consumer wants and making the changes accordingly. Yeah, and like an example, like the again back to the glasses company, we had two a very low cost option for a reading glass. Yeah, tried the same tactics <clears throat> in the US, in Europe, and in Japan. It flew off the e-commerce site in Japan. Huge hit, amazing, and also some really interesting print media worked brilliantly there. Didn't work at all in the US. <laughs> so you also have to um like different markets have got different needs different types of consumers have got different needs and that that was because of the way that the japanese eye eyes were you know the underlying health of the nation kind of and, and just their biases meant that the product worked really well and also they were quite happy with slightly quirky looking things <laughs> whereas people in the u.s were very were much more fashion 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 and if it didn't have the nice name and branding on it it wasn't something that they were interested in really interesting dynamics so you can try the same tactics and think it works here oh i can now go global it's not always true so it's being open to try stuff learn fast if it's not working change it if it works do more of it yeah and be 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 as fast and efficient as you can about that yeah so actually all the parts of the business model like uh, who is your consumer uh what channels do you use uh you would kind of give a tip to just go ahead and try and see what works try like three four different techniques see what's what gives results and kind of yeah really take that as a starting point yeah yeah and um you know and your customers can tell you so much more than you can so you can spend a lot a lot of effort working up this perfect idea this perfect product the features that oh it's brilliant you give it to a bunch of customers and they'll tear it apart. Um, so again, it doesn't matter what you think. It's better to get it in their hands early and then listen, 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 listen. Because they've got all the answers. Once you start giving them something, they've got all the opinions that they'll share with you. All the all the ideas are there, ready to come out. But you've got to listen. Yeah. So and be willing to, and be willing to throw away what you Yeah. <laughs> You want your baby and get a new. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so how is like listen? That's it. Sounds really simple, but I think uh, could also be quite underestimated. Like how how can we listen? You said something about reviews before. Is there any other way to like get in touch with the customers and just have a conversation with them? Like it, it completely depends on the markets. The types of technology and also the the business that you're in. Yeah. So I've I've been in, in businesses where we've had enough money we can organize and run proper focus groups with proper professional companies and you fly into the US and you do your nice focus groups. But that's not always possible. Um, I've also run my own ones where you you know you just go in you you have questionnaires you do things like this you do video calls you record them. Yeah. which means that you can go back and say, what did they say exactly again? 
Um, you can do questionnaires and feedback forms. Um, you know, you can you can give it to give it away to people and then interview them later. You know, there, there's lots of different ways of doing it. Um, you can um, seed a certain market with certain products. Um, if you're selling on e-commerce, you have a much closer um, contact with customers. You can email them afterwards. You can ask for recommendations. You can, um, you know, an old favorite is getting people to sign up for warranties or, you know, yeah. or things like that that you then um, have, because you also want to know when it doesn't work. And a lot of people don't tell you. <laughs> it's really important. And for me, in the early stages, anything that I'm making less than 5,000 of, I always want to see 100% of the returns. So, and this is for physical products now. Yeah. You want to know when something breaks, you need to know fast before you start scaling your production and scaling your manufacturing stuff. So if anything ever fails, I always bring back um, within the first 5,000, 100% of stuff back. Yeah. And again, produce, oh yes, it's something about the battery, whereas actually it's not. Yeah. And you have to you have to take the time and do your quality control and do your your analysis through that. Um and yeah, visit customers, spend yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Lot of work. <laughs> Listening is a lot of work. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> we talked a little bit about disruptive products and uh new business models. Um so one more question I had about that is kind of what challenges uh, entrepreneurs will face if you come up with something new because I can imagine that it's different challenges you face uh, also of course depending on the market but if you do something new it always has like a certain reaction or people will not like accept it maybe immediately so what are like the type of challenges you can expect in that case yeah and a lot, of what I, a lot of the ideas I've worked on have been an idea, a completely new way of doing something. Yeah. Which means that there is no behavior to act that way, buy that thing, use that thing. It means that there's no, that, that, and anything that involves behavioral change is, you know, if anyone wants to sell lots of something, they say, Don't, no behavioral change, please. And the other thing that they say, stay away from is, oh, you never have to be able to educate your customers. But when you're doing something with new technology, you kind of have to have yeah. <laughs> education in there and you have to also have behavioral change in there. So these are two huge hurdles. And I remember as a young kind of um, product manager, oh, this must be the best thing to sell. It's so new and interesting and completely brand new and addresses this need. It must be an amazing thing to sell. And I remember speaking to the sales guys and they said, yeah, but it's a hard sell. It's so much easier if you just say, would you like a new, the, the latest and greatest shiny thing of what yeah. you already know? Yeah. Do you want, you already have, but something that's better, something that's faster, something that's lighter, something that's uh, cheaper. Um, so actually when you're doing brand new stuff, like, I think it's amazing and brilliant, but not everyone thinks it's amazing and brilliant. So you have to find the people who do think it's amazing and brilliant, yeah. who are willing to work with you while your technology is still lumpy and bumpy. 
while it's still not perfect and shiny because they want to have the latest and greatest things. You know, the early adopter thing that you hear about and the curve, like it's true. Um, and if you can get those people, that's, that's great. Now, you have to then work with them to get to a point where it's less lumpy and bumpy and more easy to use, simple, simple. And then more and more people will use it. You have to get it to the point people are recommending it. Um, but behavioural, like, and it doesn't always work. The behavioural change is sometimes too much for people. Yeah. Uh, or your idea is too soon. Mm -hmm. Or the, the product itself is brilliant, but the system it's going into can't change that fast. Like medical products, much, much slower. Um, even something like Sensitera that's farming, you know, it's the way it's always been done, the way my dad did it, the way my granddad did it, um, you know, it, it's slow to change. Yeah. So sometimes you also have to, you will want it to go at a certain speed, but your customers can actually only handle a certain speed. And they want to test it first. And then they want to try it first. So what you should then say is, okay, if that is the way it is, then what are all the barriers that, that, that there are to this adoption? Is it fear? Is it price? Is it um, naivety over the technology? Is it because they can't actually see the benefit because it's too far away and intangible? Yeah. What is it that's stopping people moving forward? What's stopping people buying it? So some people say, 30 day money back guarantee as a back that's one way of removing a barrier just try it just try it so what you have to do is understand your customers as much as you can understand what those barriers are and if it's fear is it price is it technology is it behavioral change is it trust and then you have to build your brand so it answers those issues and then you have to try and work that into your business model and if it means that you have to give everyone samples at a lower price is it that you have to come up with a really cool starter kit that's a, that's that's below a hundred dollars or a hundred euros is it that you know you have to you know put something in place and then they get a refund back after a certain amount of time or you know or that they can try it for 90 days and then and then upgrade that you put in layers into your service, one that's super easy to get started with, and then add, and then add, and then add. Yeah. So understanding those barriers to entry, understanding those barriers to adoption is super important because otherwise you'll never actually get out there. And the more new your thing is, the harder it is to get people to try it because they've absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm hearing also that when you have your product, is, that means that you have to listen to uh, your customer and look what your product is doing to the customer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we talked a lot about business models and like the start of uh, th thinking of an idea and creating a product. Um, so how do you go from that early stage of creating business models and creating a strategy to actually executing and getting your company going? Often, often with me, it's starting with the tech. So the tech already exists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you probably already have a concept for a product or a product prototype. Yes. Um, for me, it's then 
turning your idea into the brand. Right? So it's, you know, I always start with what are we here for team? What are we trying to achieve? Get everybody on the same road or get everyone climbing the same mountain. That's a biggie for me. Yeah. So start, really, really start as cheesy as it kind of sounds, but you start with a vision and mission. What are we all doing here? And do yeah. we all want the same stuff? How <laughs> aligned are we? What are we trying to achieve here? Like, and that's a huge thing for me. You have to be aligned at, 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 at the vision and mission and strategies stage. Otherwise, forget it. And you also have to be saying, who, what do we stand for? What, 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 what's the purpose of this business? Is it, is it a sustainability product? Is it about feeding the world? Is it about um, enabling healthcare to people that have never had it before? What, what is it that we're trying to do? And from that, you can actually build your brand. You can actually say, this is the identity we want to have. This is the... The, the feeling, when people do business with us, this is the feeling we want to generate. You have to turn your, your, your collection of people, your ideas, into something that's more tangible for someone who's on the outside. So someone on the outside, when you're interacting with a company or a brand, you have to know what it stands for. What, what will they be giving me? What, why do I want to do business with them? Why do I want to give this company my money yeah. or my time? Yeah or download it, or whatever it is. So they have to identify with it in some way. So you, like, you have to start with that really st strong core because when you're building a business and a product, it's really hard work. And you're all focused together for a while. And then, you know, I've, I've done it where you work remote, working in three different continents at the same time. If you aren't aligned about what you're trying to do, everyone can go off and do their own thing yeah. and then you yeah. your company's got no backbone to it it's just individual elements so your product ends up with inconsistent so it's it's really important to spend the time aligning the team around what you're trying to do and i don't mean creating huge long specifications i'm talking about all just being in a room for a day and being really honest about what's important to you and yeah. how you like to work Try and understand how people make decisions, how you want to make decisions, how you want to communicate. Set yourselves, what does success look like? Really think about where do we want to be in six months time? What, what's this product? Make it become alive in some way. Make it a living and breathing thing. So what, what does success really look like? Because then everyone says, okay, that's what we're working towards. And the form of creating the plan far outweighs the running the plan. The, the most important thing about the plan, and it's out of date the day after you make a plan. That's, in startups, everything goes out the window four days later because you speak to someone and, and, it's all, and they say, oh, somebody's already doing that. And you go, you know. So the process of creating the plan is so that everyone's around it. Everyone's aligned. Everyone's on the same page. Um, and that, for me, is so super important and then it's about the customer so you you create what you think you get aligned you're focused on what success is and success isn't the features the success is the benefit the, the success is what what you're doing to the customer and then you try and break that down into stepping stones to get there and um, some of the biggest startups um 
fail because the gap between where they are and where they're going is too big. So you also have to try and say, okay, we want to cure healthcare for all children, you know, or, you know, we want to you know, feed the world with all more land, but you know, we could just start in the Netherlands, you know, we could just <laughs> start with just strawberries, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, so there's also kind of, if, it, if we can make it work here, that we can replicate. If we can make it work there, um, and when you hit a wall, don't just say, oh, we're having trouble with strawberries. Let's chuck it out, let's go for potatoes. You actually have to push through the wall. You have to know why it's not working. It's super easy in startups, to, especially, especially in big markets, to just keep jumping, keep jumping, keep jumping, keep jumping, rather than pushing through and solving the problem or really understanding why someone doesn't like it, or really understanding why it's not being bought at the price point, or the quality, or the location, or whatever it is. Because if you can understand it, then you can do something about it. Yeah. If you don't understand it, you can just jump off and do the same mistake, mm-hmm. and spend three months and a lot of money making the same mistake <laughs> again. the same mistake again and again and yeah. again. So when you are having that backbone you said of uh, of your sorry your your mission and and you uh, have your heads together in the same place in the same direction um, uh, how can you make it that uh, people do not lose that connection because uh, you have to lo- you said you have to listen to your customers you have to learn fast adapt fast uh, uh, what we do and maybe do you have some advice uh, in how uh, yeah as a startup company you can keep your heads together or practical tips maybe yeah it's really important because it's so easy for you to yeah. then start running off in this direction you turn around i thought we just agreed all that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's it, especially if people are um just working together for the first time or they haven't worked in startups the speed that you need to work up in a work at in a startup is much much faster and and your uncertainty has to is so high and your risk is very high and for some people they're like but i need to know the rules i need to know the rules you make up the rules <laughs> oh <God. laughs> yeah that you know um you know so little practical tips mm-hmm. i always do a weekly update so um you get together on a monday morning you say what you're going to do so you look forward you don't look back you look forward to what you're doing that week everyone knows where you are you're in the office you're at the office you're here you're there you're visiting a customer oh if you're seeing that customer i really want to know about this or could i come with you or you know all of that by the end of the week on the friday everyone needs to write a little bit about what they've achieved not all their tasks Mm-mm-mm. but only what have they really achieved? What's the value that they've brought that week? What's the key learning that they've had? What's the key outcome? What's the project that they've finished and they've created something, whether it's a website something or a, a test or a, or a report, yeah. you know, or, a, or a this, you know, but something that's of value, not, um, and then everyone reads that. So it's, you try and keep it to one or two pages but it's three or four bullet points. So it's not a task list, it's purely outcome. And that's circulated on the Friday, everyone knows about it. So everyone knows where everyone ended up. So by the time you're coming in on Monday morning, you're not talking about, oh, did you go to that customer meeting? You know the outcome of that customer meeting and you're thinking forward again. So something like that is really simple and easy. I am also a big fan of, 
like your KPIs or your SMART objectives. Again, for the process of writing them. Um, and then that reference point as you are operating. And sometimes I'll do them for just six months, sometimes even just for three months, sometimes for 12. Most of the time it's for six because we're operating on quite short timelines. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're talking about a one pager, which is their headlines. You know, these are the key things that you're responsible for. I'm responsible for this, but you are responsible for that. And then together, this is what, how we work. And it's, when you're developing anything, company, this, uh, and you're moving at speed, it's so super easy to get lost in the detail or have your head down doing this thing for a while. And you suddenly finish that and whoa, I'm lost. And you can have a few really unproductive days. But if you've got your one pager, your headline, your mountain that you're climbing, they're in front of you and you go, oh yes, I'm supposed to, oh, I've, oh, I haven't done anything on that for ages. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, oh, I better check in on that. Whoa, you're moving at full speed again. So it, those are techniques and, and just ways to keep people focused and to keep the momentum high. And it's not about overworking people in any way. It's about keeping people so that they spend their time on the highest value items. It's so easy to spend time on things that don't actually create any value. So focus all of your energy. And then it's great for the company because you keep getting more and more value, more learnings, more sharing, more this, more that, the development moving forward. But it's also super good if you're working in that environment because it's, it's really satisfying to see the, the thing that you've worked on being, you know, pushing on through. Yeah. And, and also it gives a forum for people, you know, to understand the bigger picture. So everything you're doing is, is adding into the bigger picture. Um, and everything that you're doing is being done for, for a real reason. And if a deadline's going or this, and it means that people who are speaking directly to customers can manage their expectations. Well, we were expecting it to happen this month, but because of this, this and this, which is, means it's going to be much better. It's going to be a month later. And everyone knows that information inherently because of this this way in a way that you, you can't um well just on other ways and then there's you know there's there's plenty of software packages from asana to monday to slack if you're remote is is a nice one but some formal kind of email processes in the week as well is also useful I, I think those are really practical uh, tips Definitely. to uh, to work with. How do you create a culture that fosters like continuous innovation? It's funny. I, when I did my MBA, I studied this particularly. So I, I did a whole module all on creativity, innovation and change. And I really, really believe that the culture that you work in is a huge, huge part of whether you will succeed or not and how you can be creative, but yet constructive is a really fine balance. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if you give any engineer the infinite amount of time, they will just take it because they can always make something better. You know, there's always something that can be tweaked and better, you know. Um, or, but if you put in really strict, 
requirements or un, completely unrealistic timelines, you lose everyone as well. That, that nobody believes in it. Every, you know, you're 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 then creating a huge disconnect in a, within an organisation at, at that point. So there's there's a few theories around this, but you know, things that the things that I remember off the top of my head, it's you know, it's like no blame. You know, it's all learning. You know, there's for me, you never fail. You only learn. Um, and it's also about squeezing value out of everything you do. So be very focused on the value and not, not the work. It's the value. Yeah. Um, very important. And um, the kind of live, live with looseness. So you have to be comfortable with uncertainty. You have to be comfortable with the fact you don't know everything. You have to be able to be okay with mm -hmm. that. Some people aren't, some personality types aren't. Um, you have to, and I, and I do believe good design, in, in good design process as well. So I, I went to art school and learned product design. I went to um, university and did mechanical engineering all at the same time. And that, that kind of deep understanding of creating brilliance and, and, but using a structure to design and be creative um, is really important. Um, techniques around be aligned around the vision, huge, because that then empowers people to do it their own way. Yeah. I also, when I'm managing everyone, I don't really care how you do your work. I don't care when you do your work. But what I will work with you on is the inputs to the box that you belong, that belongs to you, and the outputs of the box. And we talk only about the inputs and the outputs. Mm -hmm. and what comes out and when it will be and what you know but how you do it when you do it <laughs> i don't care you can work from home you can do it remote you can work in the evenings you can write everything down you can just do it all in your head that is your prerogative because that is your responsibility what i care about is the business moving forward, the product results, the value that we create, the outputs that you generate. So that's also how I manage it. And then everyone gets to work the way that they like to, and then everyone becomes the best they can be. Yeah. Every, everyone becomes happy in their job and kind yeah. of creates their best work. Create their best value, I would yeah. say, even. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to take a quick break. Yeah. Let's take a little break here. Yes, and actually we want to use these breaks to promote the businesses of our listeners. In return for a small donation. Yeah, and right now the price is set on 20 euros. So visit firstorderpodcast.com slash support to take full advantage of this offer. Where do I have to go? firstorderpodcast.com slash support. You can also support us if you don't want to get mentioned on this show. Then again, go to firstorderpodcast.com slash support. Where? Firstorderpodcast.com slash support. Now let's return to the show. So welcome back, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to do the lightning round. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, a few questions and please answer, answer as short as possible. Are you ready? I am ready. All let's right. do this. Let's do this. Gonna, we're gonna do That's it. That's spirit. We're gonna do it lightning fast. Let's go. <laughs> what is the most disruptive product you worked on? Um, it would be Picacuity, which is an app to do vision testing 
on phones. Wow, Whoa. that's amazing. What is your uh, secret for continuously delivering the impossible? Make sure you pick a really good problem that you're sol trying to solve. All right. We often hear that working at a startup, a startup is all about learning. We talked about it, uh, learning from your mistakes. What is one mistake you made and how did you learn from it? Hmm, mistakes. You see, I never say I've made a mistake. I've only learned from what I do. And then you learn and if it works, you do more of it. And if it doesn't work, you stop doing it. Hmm. All right. That's a good way to look at it. Look at it, yeah. If you would start your own company today, what would it be about? I probably wouldn't start my own company. I'd go find somebody who knows an industry really, really, really well and has identified a big problem that they want to solve. And then I'll go work with them to make, to find, build the right solution. All right. Uh, you have a really diverse background, but what does the future hold for you? Well, I'm in the middle of changing jobs right now, actually. So I'm doing um, my own interview series where I'm speaking to a hundred different startups within IOT, the internet of things, to really understand how they're doing and what um, kind of, if there's any trends there. But I'm moving more into a chief product officer role. And for me, it's always about big problem, great team, and a clunky product that I know I can come in <laughs> and get the product part right so that the big problem and the great team can really succeed. Right. That's amazing. That's amazing. I think that's a really good note to, uh, to, end, it to end it with. Yeah. Christine, is there anything uh, we missed during this interview uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners? And for me, I think it's um, the one thing we probably haven't talked about enough is the people. Like it's the people that make startups succeed more than the product. And the product will probably change, evolve. You may even throw it out and then start again. And you might even work on something for a few years and then throw it out and start again. But the team, if you can align and be really, really work as a team, get as diverse um, opinions as you can, diverse skills as you can, because that's where really brilliant stuff happens. And work together as a team and empower it, don't judge it, empower it to get the most out of it. Um, and that's also where the magic happens. All right. Okay, nice. nice. Uh, yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge on the podcast. No, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Nice to have you. Yeah. Um, and if uh, listeners want to know more about you, um, where can they go? Or is there something where they can contact you? So um, on LinkedIn, I would just send people to my LinkedIn um, channel. That's yeah. probably the best way to do it. Okay. okay, perfect. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. Tough now. If you like the show, please go to iTunes to give us a review so other people will be able to find us as well. Go to our website, First Order Podcast, for more content. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us through email, firstorderofbusiness at outlook.com. Which email? Firstorderofbusiness at outlook.com.
Um, do you want to hear like the the final recording or do you're fine? Yeah. You go do what you need to do. <laughs> I'll I'll see your output. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>